Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner. We're the Banter's ass ferocious John Morant in the club, man. He was trying to live that ferocious lifestyle. <laughs> he's got an absolute ferocious backlash from the community. But he's seemingly back. Everything is fine. We'll we'll get into it later because man, this is this is kind of Dude, wild. It is absolutely insane. Um I feel like our society is getting a little bit more susceptible to things, but I mean, we'll, we'll discuss it when we talk more about John Morant later. Um, your, um, your prediction didn't, didn't go quite as well. I mean, one and one, at least it's not the O2 reverse curse, right? Like we did beat the nuggets. So that's well, good. It was, it was me, you know, holding out for hope, you know, desperation into the darkness kind of situation because we needed those wins. Right. And, we got one really good one, which was at least the second one. So hopefully we can build off that momentum. But that Lakers loss hurt a lot. Man, it's just so frustrating because like a team that we should beat in the Lakers, we lose to. And a team that we shouldn't beat in the Denver Nuggets, we wipe the floor with them. Um, let's like let's go back to that Lakers game because that was just so disappointing to have that poor of a performance. You know, a- Anthony Davis didn't even play well. It was D'Angelo yeah. Russell who beat oh, us. Man, it, it was D'Lo and the bench mob. Like, it was kind of crazy. 61 points from that Lakers bench. A team that, I guess, has depth now that they've traded for it. You know, Schroeder gets to go off. And, I mean, I love Ruri Hachimura, but Wenyan Gabriel... You know, like, like this is not what we need to see in a basketball game. Like, I'm, I'm over here thinking maybe Matt's call for the Lakers to go for a run to actually make it into the playoffs maybe had something to do with it, but, you know. Like, look, man, it's good for me that, like, that's happening, but not against our Raptors. I'd much prefer them to, you know, take care of the Houston Rockets last night as opposed to beating the Raptors. Seriously. <laughs> like... Come on, basketball gods, cut me some slack here. But, like, the fact that Siakam played so poorly, Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. also played so poorly in that game, just, like, underscores our issues for the season, man. That, like, it doesn't seem that we can get all of these guys on the same page at the same time for multiple games in a row. It's just it's just disheartening. No, Nobody's ever, you know, being a team in... It's funny you mentioned that because you were talking about the next game, which we'll get into, and about how we were seeing like groups of three kind of going together. And I guess that's the conversation now of where the chemistry goes with this squad because you're right. You know, Fred has not looked great outside of that last game. Siakam has not looked good in the past few weeks. And I mean, if it wasn't no. for OG and Scotty doing what they did in that Lakers game, it would have been an absolute blowout at the end of the day so it really comes down to whether these boys can figure it out and all come together as a unit and play team basketball man and and that's the that's the thing like when we play as a unit like we did against denver and even in you know smaller groups you you mentioned the groups of threes i was really noticing that like yak freddie and siakam were working well together and gary trent og and scotty were working well together and like kind of had their own little like separate like versions of you go i go but in groups which was kind of nice because old, old it, school it, new school yeah it at least moves the ball around between those three players making the play 
and it keeps more people involved in the offense. I mean, obviously Nick Nurse is is utilizing his rotations as best as he can. Um, and I actually thought he did a really good job against against the Nuggets. There was a point where he, you know, takes Scotty out and puts him right back in, maybe, you know, 30, 40 seconds of gameplay later at the end of the first quarter there. And Scotty came back out. He started off sluggish, but he came back out and he was a monster he was looking to make plays happen looking for defense looking for offense looking for the you know the easy assists it was just you know awesome to watch and that's the kind of scotty that gets us so excited for what this future can be it's just whether or not siakam and fred van vliet are going to be a part of it is where i think i'm starting to get you onto my side and uh you come around to the fact that they need to go man it's kind of wild because we see Scotty and what he does. And, you know, I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks ago, you know, you were talking about how his agent is saying that Scotty's just waiting to be handed the keys and waiting to go. And, you know, Fred and Siakam are guys that have been built up through our organization. They were key pieces to winning a championship. But how many years ago is that now? I hate that I just said that oh. because that's where we are now, right? We are that many Absolutely. years removed from when the two of them were legit. And, at the end of the day, this is a business, and if we want Scotty to become who he wants to be, well, it looks like the new school with Gary and with OG are giving him more of an opportunity to thrive. And if that means we have to get rid of Fred, if that means we have to get rid of Siakam, well, we probably should have done that a little while ago because we're in purgatory now. Yeah, I think we definitely should have done it last mm. year. Um, but like you said, man, like you know, they were key pieces of that championship run but they weren't the key pieces. And I can't think of very many stories where a, you know, somewhat key piece, like what I would rank uh, Siakam and Freddie, like what, four and five, maybe four and six in terms of importance on that championship run. Because without sure. Mark, are you going to rank them above Marcus Gasol and, and Ibaka, what their com, uh, you know, contributions were? Are you going to rank them ahead of Lowry? Are you going to rank them ahead of, Kawhi I think the arguments there for maybe a Baca Gasol to for Siakam maybe to be ahead of those guys mm -hmm. but you know it's still an argument but when have we seen those type of players go on to then lead a team to a championship run right I mean, like valid point right like you could even consider that Fred Jr like when he had a kid that that was the MVP moment for Fred but it is a unique case, right? Like, it is a unique case of the Kawhi situation of the championship. And that's why I think the front office believed that it could happen, right? Because you're building this core that is slowly working its way to winning its championship. You make a quick a quick change out, and you think maybe that young part of the core can keep going. But I do understand where you're coming from. The idea of, like, when has Bro. a team win a championship and retooled with that same roster without having a guy like Kobe Bryant, right? Without having a true, true superstar. No, without having that, that superstar that was a part of it, right? Like, Kawhi Leonard was the main reason we won that championship, and it is inarguable. Without him, we don't win. And so when you lose that piece, unless you replace it, you don't have another shot at a championship. And we were hoping and praying Siakam could be that guy, but he's clearly not. Yeah. He just clearly isn't that level of player, and that's fine. There are only three, maybe four guys who are at that level at any given year in the NBA. Heck, to be at that level, you are like, you know, the 1% of the 1%ers. And 
I'm not going to hold that against Siakam. He's still a really nice player. He still yeah. fits into our roster very well. He's a top 30 easy NBA player currently. But in order to make that leap, in order to get there, we do need yeah. that star. And so at the end of the day, I just think that it's it's kind of run its course with these guys. And I, I'll love them, you know, for what they meant to the city and everything. But it, it shows in that, that Nuggets game, you know, we didn't really need Siakam. You know, at halftime, he was one of seven with two points. Crazy. Like, uh, the rest of our roster was carrying. Freddie was hitting threes. OG, Scotty, Gary, Jakob. Like, we can do it without him now. So we may as well go utilize his, you know, value out on the trade market to, mm -hmm. to really bring in a piece that could, you know, offset a lot of what Freddie has to do. Uh, a piece that... You know, we, we've been thinking about getting a guard to kind of fit in behind Gary and Fred, but maybe a guard that, like, is at Fred's level or, if not, better than Fred, yeah. you know? It's it, these rumors that I'm hearing come out about how Messiah was like, oh, I was just baiting everybody at the trade deadline to, to figure out how everybody's actual trade value was. I'm like, can we can we keep that down? I don't want that to get out because if that's actually Messiah's plan and we are going to trade Fred and Siakam in the offseason, like... Let's let's keep thinking about those trade values as high because I'm sorry they've only dropped they've only continued to go down because this team is not where it should be at the end of the day so it's gonna be really interesting to to watch the rest of the season because I feel like you know at least as fans who understand the situation the weight is lifted because we're not gonna be in the lottery where we want to be and we're not gonna be in the playoffs where we want to be. So we're just going to enjoy the games and be along for the rest of the ride of the season, right? Like that's that's kind of where I've uh, you know accepted myself in the last twenty four hours, really. Yeah, no, we were talking about it, and I've definitely accepted our fate. You know, like we are a first round playoff exit at best, and you know maybe we can put up a fight and get more than four or five games, but it's going to take a lot for this team to really wrap their heads around it. I'm hoping that that comment from that ESPN reporter and analyst mm -hmm. who said that the Raptors don't believe in themselves, not from the executive perspective, but from the player perspective, I hope that that lights a fire into them. I hope that they can galvanize together and show, you know, the, the world that they do believe in each other, that they do think that they have enough talent, that they have the ability to win around. Because that's that's the only thing that's going to, you know, elevate them and, and allow them the ability to get there. And I can even see across the players how that mindset could sit in, right? Because, like, the only player you could really yeah. look at of the main guys that has, like, a really positive outlook of their current situation is probably Fred, right? Because he's the bet-on-yourself Fred. But also, this is his team, and they're losing, right? Siakam's been going through his struggles since the bubble and like has always been ripped apart and wants to be more than he could be, and now he's not playing as well as he can, right? OG doesn't get to be the guy and whatever his situation with it. Scotty doesn't get to play how he wants to play, right? Think about how Precious feels with the way that he's dropped, right? Jakob doesn't get to feel because he just is, he's coming in to be a new fresh face. So like I can see oh, how okay. these teams don't believe in them in them how these players couldn't believe in themselves, right? And I'm with you. I want to see that fire lit under them because we're not out like we're not out just quite yet. You know, any any W that we get from here will only increase where we sit at the end of the day. And the more games that we get to play, the better, right? Unless, I mean, well, unless that means that we're the 10th seed and we get to play more play-in games. That's the only, <laughs> like, negative version of that saying. 
dude, in the nine ten spot where we're probably going to end up, we're going to have to play both playing games. Yeah. And uh, honestly, like, it might be good for them to realize that, like, even after a season of struggles, that they can string together some wins, that they can win with this group. Because what my kind of, I think, feeling is, is last year we had such a, a good back half of the season, right? Like, we yeah. didn't start last year off well. We kind of still looked like those Tampa Raptors. And then we go on this huge tear, have a great end of the season, you know, fight Philly to six games after going down 0-3 immediately. Yeah. And without Freddie, Siakam looks like he's good in the playoffs. And everything is about, can this team now, you know, win around, get to the championship games, like whether that be Eastern Conference Finals or Finals. And I think all of the boys really bought in this summer too. I can be that next level guy yeah. to push us over the top, right? Like you said, they all want their specific role. And then when it doesn't pan out at the beginning of the season, the confidence just goes down and the level at which they're playing is just not near where it was to end last year. So if they can just get that confidence rolling again, I honestly think Yak gives them a lot of a, a, a much easier time to play defense now. And I think that our defense is going to be improved you know, throughout the last 10, 15 or 10, 13 yeah. games here, just because Yak's presence. And it, it, I think we've been a better defensive team with Yak. But like at the end of the day, if I were to tell you this team was the 13th rated offense and the 18th rated defense, you would not have believed me at the beginning of the season. Confused Pikachu face. Like what? <laughs> like you're not, you're not expecting that based on the way that they play. So there's a lot that needs to be figured out, but you think about the honeymoon period. You think about what uh, a fresh start can do, right? And the mentality is also a big deal, right? Because nobody, nobody cared last year, right? And so you had that positive, you had that positive mentality where all the boys were like, you know, we're doing good. We're we're getting talked up here and there because our we don't have any expectations, and so everyone is amped that we're Absolutely. doing well, right? And and now it's like we all bought in, and this kind of sucks, and that drains a locker room, right? And, Positive success breeds positive success. So we hope that this last game against the Nuggets, which was a banger, you know, the fact that the fact that the last three games against, you know, potentially the best team in the West have been really good games from the Raptors is a pretty good sign. But also that's the Raptors. That's what we know. We expect them to play well against good teams because it's this weird like effort thing where if a team sucks, we're like, yeah, we'll suck along right beside you. Like, I was going to mention it, man. Like, it, it's an actual, like, epitome these last two games of, of how we play as a team under Nick Nurse. And, like, Nick Nurse has to take some fault for this because he doesn't seem to get his guys up to play for these lower teams. It's like the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. Like, if you watch Mike Tomlin-led teams, when they play the Jets, they play as poor as the Jets. When they play, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, they play with the Kansas City Chiefs. And you're like, this roster should not be here. So that's what the, the the Raptors have for them. And luckily, unluckily, we have a really tough finish to the season with, you know, two, yeah. two Boston games, a Milwaukee game. So if we can play up to our potential in those games, um, I think that we'll be probably locked into the play-in at that point and then get into the play-in and win those two games and get a tough first-round matchup. Like, that could do a lot of, of confidence building for this roster for next year so that we, you know, we're giving up that first round pick and it's not 
you know, anywhere from six to 15. It's, it's in that back half of the lottery uh, or of the first round. And and that would be, you know, what I'm hoping for, for the rest of the season is just to see some growth, just to see some continuity and some consistency. We just want basketball, right? You know, last week's, last week's controversy of Fred calling out the refs is hopefully the end of everything non-basketball, you know, hopefully everybody just locks in, they play the game and we just get to enjoy what 12 games left in the season like it's kind of crazy to think that that we're almost at the end here already no man it's it's absolutely wild to think that it that it's almost over um just one thing about the refs cuz this is i think the barometer for me on why i hate the refs specifically when i watch Toronto Raptors game and think that they're against us so i was watching the Denver Nuggets uh versus or no uh, the the Cleveland Philadelphia game last night and James Harden in the first quarter goes up for a three-point shot. Yeah. And he comes down on Isaac Okoro's feet. And it didn't look like much of a foul. Yeah. But then they review the play because I'm pretty sure Cleveland was like arguing, JP Bickerstaff was arguing to get, you know, the call overturned. Mm. And then they review it, call it a call. And then say, well, it didn't amount to a flagrant. That's what we were looking at. We were looking at if it didn't amount to a flagrant. It didn't even look like a foul on the floor. Like, you had to be looking at the feet. Like, it it was very minor. The Raptors would never get that. Nick Nurse would have to make a challenge in order to even have it reviewed. And I think, like, there is no coach in the NBA and there's no team in the NBA that when they actually challenge a play, do I think it's, like, almost a 90% chance that they lose the challenge. Like, Every time I watch the Raptors, we never win challenges, even when it's clear in our favor that, like, it was incidental contact or light contact or he had his feet set. Like, we always seem to lose those 50-50 battles, and that's the issue that I have with the refs in the Raptors, like, personally. I I have this other hilarious moment from this week. I don't know which game it was from or what specifically, where, like, I thought – I may be completely wrong. I thought the way it works in the NBA is if – a play happens, and then some like somebody fouls somebody. The play continues, and then another moment happens, and then there's a foul. You can't go back to the last part of that call. That's how I always think. That's how I always thought things were supposed to be, right? They did. And there's a play in the in one of these Raptors games where somebody's going up for a shot, and Pascal nicks him on the arm slightly, and then Jakob gets a dirty block, and then they call the foul on Jakob, and then they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, we got to review this," and I'm like. So, technically, the, the Siakam play is before the Jakob block. You're reviewing the Jakob block, and then they come out and they say, it's actually a foul on Siakam, and the free throws will stand. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm understanding the rules wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's not okay. So And you know, you know that had that been on the Raptors, it would not have been called a foul. <laughs> Uh, again, no, again, I just I could be I could be wrong about the rules, but I'm pretty sure that's not. how it works. So I thought that that was kind of ridiculous at the end. So anyway, oh, anyway. buddy, it it is what it is. It's it's the curse of being the only Canadian team. But you know, we've got four games this week before we chat again. We've got yeah. the OKC game tonight. We've got the Wolves on Saturday, the Bucks on Sunday, and the Pacers on Wednesday. I'm chalking at least that Bucks game up to a surefire L. So I'm hoping for a 3-1 week. Um, 3-1 week would, what, get us to 500? Yeah. No, it would just put us a game game below 500. Um, 
hey, man, I would be where the Atlanta Hawks are a game below 500. So hopefully we could stick with them and figure out a way to get to the at least the eighth seed. So maybe we could just beat Miami to get in and then avoid Milwaukee altogether. I mean, because that, I think that would be nice. <laughs> I think Philadelphia is going to surge into that second seed and, and the seventh seed is going to get Philadelphia. It's a very interesting situation when it comes to the top, you know. I was kind of hoping that the Bucks game on Sunday was going to be good, you know, with no Last of Us. Like, I need something to entertain me on Sunday when I get home from the ski hill. But, you know, if, if, if it's just a, a Giannis show, then maybe that'll be the only reason to tune in. But, yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see where we end up. You know, it's looking like when it comes down to it, if we win a play-in race, we have to face the one or the two seed. Obviously, I don't want to play Philly as much as I love the battle between the two of us, I would like our players not to get injured, and the odds of Embiid falling down on somebody in that series is highly likely. So if we could avoid Philly, that's my Put it on Scotty's ankle again? No, Jeez. thank you. No. <laughs> no. Man, I would I would like to to get a matchup with Boston. I, I know you know that I've been saying it, but I think we match up well with Boston. Um, they haven't been playing well lately. If we could somehow get into the eight seed for the for the play in tournament and you know beat out yeah. Miami for that seven seed and get a Boston, I think that we could actually make some noise. Not in terms of like you know fully winning the round, but at least getting the seven games, man, and putting some doubt in in Boston's mind. That's that's the thing, right? If if the biggest thing that we can do is you know have a couple of sleepless nights for our opponents in the first round, shake them up so that. They're not comfy going into the rest of their playoff hopes and get some experience for Scotty and the boys. Like, you know, we're, we're pretty happy fans, right? And that's that's the thing, man. Like, I want Scotty to get into a matchup where he can show what he showed in game one of last year's series. Play the because games. that man was on pace to, to drop a 20-point triple-double until he got hurt. And... You know, I think he came back and played well in the rest of the round, but you he was clearly limited by the ankle. Yeah. And I think that watching Sc- Scotty in the playoffs is going to give our fans that much more hope that moving on from Siakam is the right decision. And also, you know what helps young players be confident and have better regular seasons? Playoff success. And Scotty is the type of guy who has the mindset and the skill to back it up to go, it's in the playoffs. This is the end of the season. Every game matters. And we saw it with game one, right? And if that momentum can come in and he can continue it, even if we lose in seven games, for example, to one of the top teams in the East, if Scotty wins a game or two for this team based on his play alone, it all comes and- together. And with Scotty in particular, he never, like, he's not a bad player per se ever. It's when he lacks focus that he doesn't play well. You know, like, he'll be in and out of the game, and then it'll be the fourth quarter, and he'll be like, okay, I'm locked in. Like, it's go time. And he plays like an absolute terror. Yeah. And he is, like, definitely so skilled and so dominant when he sets his mind to it it's just being able to set your mind to it every single day for 82 games of the year like that's the that's the difficult part for scotty is that i think that his mind kind of drifts in and out how important is this game but with the playoffs he knows that it's a go time he knows that that's legacy building stuff and that's where i think he's going to shine the most and i think we saw it last year we just like it was cut short by mb yeah. Hey, you know what? If Scotty ends up being 
the you know playing MVP, getting that um you know that that victory to just get us into the playoffs. That that could be you know a singular W just from the start there, right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely, Scotty in we trust, and I think he and OG have that relationship to you know really build it forward and. Again, we can't get rid of Freddie because we need guards. So, sorry, Siakam, looking at you, bro. And uh, all season, I've been a Siakam guy. Come on, and I still, you know, I've still got the get get me some good picks for him in the back of my brain. We we'll we'll talk about it when we get to this summer. We can always talk more raps at the end of the day. But let's move on to the rest of this league now because there's a lot going on when it comes down to it. I don't know if you want to start MVP chat. I don't know if you want to break down this table. Maybe it's time we talk jaw. Like, where's your mind, Matt? That's actually exactly where I wanted to go. I wanted to talk about John Morant. I wanted to get it out of the way because it's like the the least, you know, basketball-related thing that we have. Um, I just want to talk about the fact that this man, like, a week and a half ago, you know, puts out this video. He then, you know has to then apologize and and leave the team because it's of the media uproar and the uh, the the scrutiny and the spotlight on it the fact that he's had incidents in the summertime that are now coming back to haunt him you know potentially beating up a 17 year old kid um okay how quickly can one learn from one's lessons when really it was you know, a week or so. Yeah. And if you are correct in the fact that five of the eight games that he got suspended for have already been technically served, like how much, how much has he, has he actually changed? How much has he actually contemplated? Is he, you know, just putting on this, you know, sorry face to get back in the league? My answer would be yes. You can't change yourself in a week, bro. This is the weird situation. This is where John Morant fans are super conflicted. Because is this just a desperate kid who realized that he effed up really bad and is actually sincerely apologetic and is like, you know what? I have turned my life around. Because if he, if all he does is come out in that interview and say, you know what? I've messed up. I'm taking credit for it. But also, I know that this is a process that I have to go on and that I've not solved it and I have to keep working. Those words alone would have given it. But the other side of the coin is, are we just all delusional fans who are thinking Memphis does this master class of making it so Jaw only misses a few games legitimately and the NBA can't really suspend him harder because they took action first and Jaw is going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself look good so that I can make my money and our team can do well. Like, where is he going to sit on this side of the coin, right? Like, there is multiple directions that Jaw can take. And I, as a true Jaw fan, I, I hope that he is actually sincerely realizing that, man, I screwed up bad and that I am losing out on an extreme amount of opportunity because he's an unreal star and he has an opportunity to be one of the faces of the league for the next 10 years. And so I have hope for him, man, but it's 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 sketchy. Honestly, it is. Look, I'm in the camp that I really would love if he, you know, didn't mess anything up, if he is actually truly sincerely sorry and, and, and comes back and is the job level player that we saw. Like he is, like you said, a true superstar, a, two, a true top 10 player. And I think something that's like underrated about him or underestimated about his popularity is the fact that he's probably the only guy that you can 
you know, credibly argue of the young players is in the, like, you know, you got your Giannis, you, below 30, you got your yeah. Giannis, you got your Joker, you got your Embiid, you've got Luca, and then you've got, like, Tatum and Morant as the U.S. kind of mm. guys, and he has that ability to kind of steal that market, and, you know, with his high-flying dunks, with his, you know, Allen Iverson style of play, he has the, the opportunity to be the most popular player in the NBA. Electric, and yeah. Yeah, and I hope that he can achieve that and fulfill that. And I hope that, you know, he has learned his lesson. I'm just skeptical. Call me a cynic, but I'm just very skeptical that after a week, you can truly feel that remorseful. Um, I just go back to the Montreal Canadiens first round pick. He's still technically not eligible to play in the NHL. The NHL still wouldn't let him play if Montreal wanted him on the roster. Hmm. That's how serious that's being taken. And that was a con, you know, consensual act that he didn't, you know, he took pictures and sent that around. Like he shouldn't have done that, obviously. Yeah. But it's not waving a gun around in the club. It's not beating up a 17-year-old kid. It's not, you know, having allegations and ties to what could be, you know, criminal criminal organizations. Like there's gotta be some kind of standard here and and some deeper suspension than just eight games which five of which he took and, personal anyways and this is what i'm saying it's a master class from the grizzlies because yeah. the grizzlies saw this video and was like hold up we need to step in front of this before things get out of hand and like you know we talk about i was explaining to matt like we talked about in the past like you know the fact that jaw is kind of a little crazy that he likes his own private jet situation you know the the videos of him posting before the all-star game you know on his jet there with family and friends getting absolutely lit so no wonder he didn't do so well in the All-Star game the next day. But that that's 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 just a thought, you know what I mean? But he yeah. he has to figure it out, right? Like this is a second chance. And at the end of the day, all of this could be completely wiped clean. Adam Silver can be like, "Well, there we go, it's done." And 2 months from now, we might not even be talking about this anymore because Jaw will have put on or is the actual image of, you know, the player that they want him to be. Look, man, all I hope is that next year, instead of talking about John some scandal, we're talking about him in the MVP race. Absolutely. Because that's where everyone expected him to be. And uh, it's a heck of a race to even get in with these guys that are being mentioned. Um, I'm going to just say that as somebody who actually hates Embiid, like I hate his style of play, I I t- totally think that he deserves the M- MVP this year. I think that, like, we need to get him one. And I understand that that's not a great, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> argument that he needs one. But they're surging at the right time. He is that team's heart and soul. Yeah. He's leading the league in scoring. He, you know, had a play against uh, Cleveland the other night where Cleveland's kind of, had clawed back into this game and he was, you know, they were starting to pull away and it didn't look like Philly had it anymore. And Bede makes a tough, you know, falling away near the basket with the, you know, uh, shot clock running out shot sprints down to the end of the floor and then blocks. Like I'm pretty sure it was Isaac Okoro or something like that at the rim and just swings the momentum, yep. you know, and it's plays like that. That's MVP level stuff. And, Doris Burke on the on the um, call was just absolutely gushing about him and and saying how he needs the MVP and I 
she kind of won me over, man. I'm I'm on the MB trade now. Giannis is easily the best player in the league, but he's missed some games. They haven't, you know, surged so much at the end here. So it's I think it's Embiid's because so, I can't give it to Joker. I was I was looking back at my notes and I have Giannis and Embiid tied for MVP way back at the beginning of the season. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, I I really don't like Embiid as a player, but damn, do I respect his attitude towards the game of basketball in terms of his effort, right? We talk about how Giannis is, like, an absolute freight train and is constantly putting in effort. Like, yeah, I don't like some of the things that Embiid does, but I can't deny the fact that he's unreal good at the way basketball is played right now. And, you know, he steps up in big moments against, you know, big opponents in games. And, you know, this is a regular season award. And if we want to talk about somebody who is, you know, probably the epitome of regular season success as an individual player, player that's that's kind of joel Embiid right now it's kind of crazy yeah and if you want to use like advanced metrics to like make your case that that nikola Jokic is far and away the the mvp front runner i would just tell you that you need to take analytics with a grain of salt you need to actually watch the games because the analytics tell you that nikola Jokic is the best defender in the nba but they're going to change a kickball rule because he doesn't want to play defense. And there's zero chance that you're watching a game and you're watching Giannis and Embiid sprint the floor and make highlight reel blocks or meet some guy up there. I'm pretty sure, you know, Jokic got dunked on uh, just recently in a game. Giannis and Embiid don't get dunked on like that, man. They're going to make you feel something. They're going to shut that down. And so if the stat is telling you something, that's great. Use your eyes because at the end of the day, the stats are based off a holistic picture and a numbers picture, not the game picture and what is happening and the context and the, you know, the underlying subtleties of the play. And, and this is why I think that this MVP conversation is, is so beautiful, right? Because if you're, if you're willing to look past the, I'm team Embiid, I'm team Giannis, I'm team this, and you actually like break it down into why people want to see any of these guys succeed at MVP, it's because all of them have a different approach to doing it and are extremely different players in the way that they do it. Like I was, I was saying to Matt, like if you took Embiid out right now, you just plucked him who he is and what he does, and you threw him in the 1960s, he's an undisputed MVP because the game is... I'm sorry, it's not as exciting. It's boring. It's more about box score. It's more about winning the game and making the right play. You know who's the king of doing that? The king of IQ in the NBA right now? It's Nikola Jokic, right? But I'm... I'm, I'm okay. I was about to just say I'm a young kid, but I'm 28 now, so I don't know if I can say kid anymore. But I like exciting basketball. John Moran is my one of my favorite players in the NBA because he is exciting basketball. I don't watch too many Nuggets games in the same way that I see a Bucks game, and I'm like, I want to watch Giannis do what he does. If I didn't have, you know, the hate that I have towards the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid, I would feel the same way, and I would tune in for him for those games. And so that's that's why it's so fun, because there's different metrics in the way that you can think about the MVP race, and this is the most valuable player to your team. From a stats-based point and the way that Jokic provides, he's the most valuable player to his team for sure. But think about all the metrics of the game. Think about what a big dunk or a big block does to a crowd, does to your team, no. does to your teammates. There's so much that goes into it. 
And that's why Giannis is still my MVP. Because I, I don't like Embiid that much. But they are tied. They should be tied with what they do. Man, you nailed that right there. Um, you know, the box scores, the the box plus minus, the analytics, they can tell you so much about, you know, what happened in the game, but they can't tell you what was a galvanizing moment. And MVPs should have that ability in them on the drop of a hat. You know, you think about Michael Jordan, you think about LeBron, you think about Magic, you think about Kareem. They were all able to snatch momentum away from a team. You know, just one play, one series of efforts, they're able to change everything and the whole stadium's feeling. And I just don't feel Joker has it, you know? Like, he doesn't have that ability. Yes, he always makes the, the the right pass yes he's you know positionally sound on defense mm-hmm. yes he is an awesome score when he wants to be but it's not like you know overwhelming it's just you know the the mid-range the the layups the the footwork he's just so technically sound that it becomes boring and he can't steal momentum like that so i think that that also should sway people you're your MVP needs to be able to do something to get the crowd excited. And besides his no look passes, which are more like, Ooh, there's no like, Oh, did you just say that? So so I'm I'm conflicted here because I agree with everything you're saying, but also like, I understand why the Jokic conversation is allowed to be had because if he plays the perfect game, the way that he wants, there isn't a need for a blocked by James. There isn't a need for that you know, fading three from Steph Curry to win the game. Because because here's the thing, the the best players in the world have those moments which are amazing. And this is why my brain is trying to go, where does the award actually end? Because like, I see those moments as finals MVP moments, as playoff moments, right? And that's where the excitement goes to me. And now I'm going, is the MVP award of the regular season about the total game of basketball or is it about being that perfect player through 82 games and then it is uh, well if Jokic doesn't have the top seed fine. but 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 here's what here's where I'm coming with this it's the if Jokic doesn't have the top seed with those statistics he's not the MVP so the last two seasons don't matter that's the circle that I'm that I'm coming here with it right this year because he has the players around him he's having the statistics and his team is the top seed on that side he's the MVP front runner in terms of that but also Giannis over there with 50 wins, like, it's such a tough battle. There's so many different ways that you can go with it. Look, if it was based on team success, he shouldn't have won it last year. Russell Westbrook shouldn't have one. And Giannis <laughs> should be the clear and away front runner this year. True. They're going to be the only team to even get a sniff of 60 wins, okay? They're the only ones with a shot at it. And that's not how it should be based. And at the end of the day... I, I know people like like Milwaukee's roster. A lot of those pieces were discarded from other teams. Like Brooke Lopez was a Laker. He, they do they keep him around? No, because he wasn't very good for them. Drew Holiday, the Pelicans gave up relatively easy. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Middleton hasn't looked like Chris Middleton. And then you've got like Joe Ingles, Javon Carter, you know, Grayson Allen. Like, what are we doing here in terms of, like, their roster is so superb. He doesn't have a true other all-star on his team. Mm -hmm. And they're the only team that's going to sniff 60 games. But at the end of the day, like, 
Giannis has missed some games here, and a lot of it is what you do at the end of the at the end of the season. A lot of it comes down to that stretch run, and I just think Embiid kind of needs one, you know, just during this era of his of his peak basketball. Yeah, and and like you said, I don't necessarily respect the way he plays the game all the time. But when the moments matter the most, exactly. he is willing to come to that challenge. When the games are against, you know, Milwaukee, against Denver, he tries to make it clear he's the best player on the court, and it's not very close. Um, now, does he succeed in that every time? Not every time, but he does succeed in that quite often. When it comes to the, the three-headed race between these guys, Embiid has the most impressive performances against each other, right? And and Absolutely. again, this is the beauty of this conversation and why, again, it's so hard to win awards because the human race, we are naturally biased people. We like certain things. And when you're given a ticket to give out towards an award, you're going to look at the reasons why you specifically think a player is the MVP. And that's why this race is just oh so hard. And it's why if you have any of these three guys, you're not wrong. I'm not going to say you're right, but you're not wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I don't think that, you know, I think most years you can give it to multiple guys. I think there's consensus that, yep. you know, multiple players are right there, but this year, last year, it, it feels like it's it's more than ever between three guys, and it's and it's very very tight, and all of them could easily win it. But man, that's that's gonna be a tough vote. I I I wouldn't you know want the vote. It would be tough for me to decide between these three, and then to get your name kind of put out there and then picked apart by the average fan like yeah, you and seriously. I and the podcasters who who say, how dumb are you, you know, so-and-so for picking them? How dare so. you? <laughs> no, it's, it, <laughs> Anyways, I, it's crazy, man. And and so we'll we'll follow this MVP race and, and we'll see what happens with these three guys. But yeah. it's the consensus three guys. Like, I, there's going to be five names that people get to put on the ballots. The other two guys, who, who you, cool, put whoever you want, right? You know, yeah. like. If it's not these three guys as one, two, three, I think that mistakes are being made. Well, and I, that also kind of bothers me because I feel like some voters like literally intentionally leave players that they don't want to win off their top five, even though because it, it just affects their point totals, right? Yeah. They'll drop them down to the five or, or the four as opposed to actually giving them where they rightfully deserve um, to try and skew it for their guy that they're voting for. Um, so that just that just something that annoys me that i wanted to bring up ah oh, man you know what doesn't annoy me but and it probably makes you the happiest guy on the planet is that the sacramento kings man they have confirmed themselves an above 500 season they are basically a lock for a top three seed in the western conference at this point oh yeah um they gonna be late in that beam in the playoffs or what man yo they better be i was looking back and I had them coming in the ninth place. I I had so much faith in this team. I was talking this team so Being much. Being good. And yet I still only had them in the play-in at the beginning of the year. But you know what? Bro. That's what everyone expected. Nobody thought that this team would come together in the way that they have. And, I mean, my favorite part about it is that, like, everything I thought that was going to happen came true. But it was like, I thought mm -hmm. they were going to turn it to 8. And they turned it to 12, basically, with everything working <laughs> out the way that it is. And, you know, the fact that this is the only winning road 
team in the Western Conference. Like every that's other team wild. in the West has a losing road record. Record. Like to me, that's yeah. mind blowing when you think about this team who, for seventeen years, has been in purgatory and has never been above five hundred at all in that time. Like it is a great time to be a Sacramento Kings fan. Darren Fox is the most clutch player. In the NBA, that three-pointer the last night to win against the Bulls got him over 170 clutch points. That new award that they came up with, it's pretty much all but locked up for Deard Fox right now. Honestly, man, um, if you had told me at the beginning of the season Deard Fox was going to be the most clutch NBA player this season, I would have laughed yeah. in your face. But he has been all of that and more and that team is built j around him like you said you know that downhill speed that he has he's got the shooters around him he's got a big and sabonis who you know can play inside out and yep. it is it has just been awesome for them it's been a, a a season to love for their fans first one in 16 and like it doesn't necessarily get over the fact that you drafted marvin bagley over luka Doncic. i've always got to say that um but hey man the second seed, home court advantage. Like, I don't think they're going to win a playoff series, but it's looking like they might. Because at this point, like, who are they going to play? The the Minnesota Timberwolves? Um, the Dallas Mavericks? The Oklahoma City Thunder? Like, those could be some teams that they beat. The exciting part, I think, for the Kings is that in their mind, it doesn't matter who they play. That's why I led with the fact that they have that road record win, right? Like, I'm sorry, the best home crowd in the NBA right now is in Sacramento. If you've watched any home game on TV this year, you're thinking to yourself, man, I wish I was a fan in that crowd right now because it's bumping. And to be able to go Absolutely. out and get as many wins on the road. Now, these road wins could be the fact that the West is as clumped up as it is. And as many people would say, well, the West is trash, so they should be getting the wins that they get. But we also have to think that this is a bunch of young kids that are not afraid, right? And if they can keep that momentum into the playoffs, that's the real test. Well, I think the fact that they have like almost the identical home and away record that they do, like they're 21 and 14 at home, 20 and 13 on the road. I think that like speaks yeah. volumes to this team on, on just being consistent. And I think that you're right. There are a bunch of young players who, who aren't going to say that they're going to lose a game because they should. You know, they're going to fight and claw their way in every game, and they believe that they should win. I hope our Raptors, you know, get a little bit of that belief here at the end of the yeah. season because it, it, you know, helps your team tremendously. When you're feeling clutch, those, you know, end, you know, game winner three-pointers, they, they don't, they're not as hard, right? Like when you're Damian Lillard, and you know that you got it. Yep. You know, you just hit them. So yeah. I'd love to see it for our Raptors, man. And I'm happy for your Kings. I I was doubting you, man. I was so doubting it. I remember at the beginning of the season, we were arguing, like, who are they going to take out of the playoffs? Like, you think this team, like, is going to be better than Phoenix, like, Golden State? Oh, yeah. Like, we the list goes on. And that, yeah, That's, man, why, I, that's why I had them at ninth. That's why I couldn't believe that they would be higher. But it's this perfect storm. And, like, it's why, it's why you can have this hope, right? They remind me of the Grizzlies of last year, basically. This young team who's coming in, they're getting the Ws that they got, and, you know, if they just get a little bit of playoff success and the West falters how it is, there's, there's not a true juggernaut 
you know, that is 100% going to be healthy, right? Like, there's all these question marks with almost every single team in the West, and all Sacramento needs is one good first-round series and then a good second-round matchup to crazily find themselves in the conference finals. I would not put money on it at all because, remember, a bunch of young yeah. kids, first real test ever for a lot of them. Yeah. But at the same time, like, when that momentum starts building, when that snowball starts rolling down the hill, the self-belief that this team might have for themselves, it's 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 a scary, beautiful possibility, Matt. Hey, man. I mean, you predicted it, so hopefully they can win that round for you, man. It's why I'm doubling down today. My prediction Ooh. of today is super easy. I said that they were going to get four wins. I'm going to change that. It's a playoff series, man. They're going to win that first round playoffs. I don't care who the opponent is. I have so much faith in this team right now. Man, um, I'm hoping that it comes true for you. I hope that they get Minnesota in the first round for you because uh, that would be, be their best option at this point. Um, I'm going to be, you know, a little different. I've been on a, on a decent streak here. My Lakers losing last night and Golden State losing. I mean, it did help push Golden State towards the play-in, but I need the Lakers in the playoffs, man. Like, that's going to be a tough one for you me. need more. Um, so I'm hoping to get my streak back out here. I'm going to do the all the games tonight. You know, Raps over Thunder, Denver over Detroit, Sacramento over Brooklyn, Milwaukee over Indiana, and Phoenix over Orlando. It's feeling like a favorite kind of night. The one that I'm the most, you know, skeptical about is Sacramento over Brooklyn. Um, cause you know, even though Sacramento is good, I have zero faith <laughs> in them winning games ever. Um, but I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them in this game and I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope this, this is how Sacramento is good because Matt has zero faith. The curse is like, I'm not going to mess with this team because it does nothing for Matt. Right. So, so that's sort of here, but it's, you know, you got it right there. It is a favorite kind of night. You know, you're picking pretty much the should be winner in all of these games you know we're raptors fans here so that's why we say that they should be the should be winner against should be winner. oklahoma e even though oklahoma city has a better record than <laughs> don't say i didn't want to hear that i'm good they it, do, bro. <laughs> it's it's been a wild season you know the raps they're fighting they're clawing they're they're trying to stay on here and we got four games you know we got four games this week and if it's a 4-0 week, then we are solidly in, in the playoff race. If it's an 0-4 week, uh, we might have to disband this podcast, honestly. Like, uh... <laughs> Dang, Raptors. Maybe at least wait till next season. Start oh, again. my gosh, honestly. But... Anything else, my friend? No, nah, man, you're good to wrap this up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. Check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.